Attention Talking Simpsons listeners, we have a special mini-series just for you. We're going through the entire first season of King of the Hill, and you can only hear it if you're a $5 and up patron at patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. We're giving the Talking Simpsons treatment to all 13 episodes of King of the Hill's first season, and if you want a free sample, you'll find the first episode available for free in the Talking Simpsons feed. Patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. It's the only place you'll find the first season of Talk King of the Hill. Made you go click, 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 click. It's real easy, man. I heartily endorse this event or product. Ahoy hoy, everybody. Welcome to Talking Simpsons, where people throw ducks at balloons and nothing's the way it seems. I'm your host, the rat-like in appearance, Bob Mackey, and this is our chronological exploration of The Simpsons. Who else is here with me today? The luckiest chicken in the world, Henry Gilbert. And who do we have on the line? Oh, I'm Eric Siska. Behold the ravages of age. <laughs> and today's episode is Bart's Carney. <laughs> I want to see Lobster Boy and Shrimp Girl. I want some fried sugar. I want to go on the yard work simulator. <laughs> but when I ask you to do yard work, Today's episode aired on January 11th, 1998, and as always, Henry will tell us what happened on this mythical day in real-world history. (gasps) Oh my god! Oh boy, Bobby, Savage Gardens truly madly deeply tops the charts. The Broncos and the Packers win the playoffs to head to the Super Bowl, and only one new film is in theaters this week, even daring to try to challenge Titanic, and that is Howie Long's Firestorm. Oh, so making the move. He's a football star, right? (laughs) Yes, yeah. Maybe that's why they put it out now, because it's like, well, it's the playoffs. People are thinking of football. They'll want to see Howie Long try to do (laughs) an action movie thing. My theory is people like football. Uh, Eric, have you guys done Firestorm? No, we haven't. We should, though. I mean, he never really worked out as an actor, so I definitely (laughs) want to go through his career and do a little retrospective. Didn't uh, Wizard Magazine really want him to play a superhero? I kept popping up. Like they, they really wanted Patrick Stewart to be Professor X. That made sense. It happened. Maybe Wait, like there, was there a boring man? I'm not familiar. With? <laughs> I I think just his his he had the body of a superhero, so like yeah, he could be um, Cyclops, sure, whatever. That was that was usually their arguments in there. And well, I mean, in '99, the, by '98, they thought like he could be a star. Like he's, I believe it was '90 '96 or '7. Broken Arrow came out, and he's like an evil sidekick in that to John Travolta, mm. and he's good enough for what the. Uh, John Woo ridiculous movie demands. But yeah, after this, he did not star in another film. Firestorm was kind of the end. His greatest acting role might have been those uh, long distance commercials with Terry Hatcher. Was yes, that him? Yeah. Okay. I really that, believe they were that great in fake love. couple. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they, Question mark. They loved. They loved phones and they loved uh, their each other. They loved deals. I kind of uh, miss all those phone commercials. You know, you had like the ten, and this is like I sound like a thousand years old now. Like <laughs> the ten, ten, two, twenty, or the the one eight hundred color. Lex. There was like a whole multiverse of characters <laughs> throughout those. There was so much continuity to the commercials back then. Yeah. yeah. I, and, and the battles between like John Stamos versus David Arquette over those things. And they all gave you secret Carrot codes. Top was all over those. Oh, God. Oh, yes, yeah. Al yeah. Bundy, Chris Rock. But they gave you these secret codes. You felt empowered. Like, I can make a phone <laughs> call anywhere I wanted if someone will accept. <laughs> I'm cheating the phone companies with this stuff. The Super Bowl, the I believe it's the Broncos that win that one. 
one uh, with John Elway. I'm, I'm, I don't know sports. I, I'm leaning on our guest here in case he didn't pay attention. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I don't know sports. Okay. I was too busy watching The Simpsons. <laughs> True. Me too. But on the line, of course, he's been talking plenty, but we have Eric Siska of the great podcast We Hate Movies. Previously, we've had Steven Sadak on the show a few times, but Eric is also a member of that great podcast group. Uh, so, Eric, what is your history with The Simpsons? Early adopter. Loved it from the start. Well, not, you know, I don't know if I watched it first season in, but I remember distinct memory to really encapsulate my love of The Simpsons is my parents like got me into the Boy Scouts. Do you remember these this thing called the Boy Scouts? Yeah, I think they're still around. It's mainly about <laughs> tying knots, right? <laughs> yeah. So like the our troop or whatever it was called met on Sunday nights. And I eventually was like, put my foot down. I'm quitting the Boy Scouts because I don't want to miss The Simpsons. Wow, that's that's a correct priority yeah. there because I think these Simpson skills have come more into your life than uh, than the Boy Scout survival technique. Yes, definitely. That felt like counter programming to make you more wholesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, it, 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 it must have informed your sense of humor quite a lot, Eric. Yeah, I mean, of course. I mean, on the show we ate movies, we'll quote the Simpsons here and there. And at first, I was like, is this is kind of weird to quote the Simpsons? Is this joke theft of some kind? But it's like so ingrained in our personalities because you know we grew up with it. It's it's just it's kind of everything to us for us too i think and, and again i'm a huge fan of your guys's podcast the uh, just listening to the battlefield earth one you guys did which i am so glad you say like this is episode like 413 and you've 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 saved such a go-to of bad movies for for there i think it's aged like fine wine <laughs> Yeah, thank you. Yeah, we didn't want to do like every single obvious movie immediately. And uh, we waited until, well, I thought we'd be not even doing this anymore now. So, <laughs> but it's good we saved some, like Firestorm, for instance. Yes, add, add that to the list. I, yes. <laughs> have you guys ever done an Ernest movie? Uh, we did Ernest Scared Stupid the other year. Yeah. That was a great episode, and I guess uh, if you want to talk about our uh, our guest star for this episode yeah. right now, uh, I was a big Ernest head in the 80s and some of the 90s. I think I followed him up to Scared Stupid. I was not watching, you know, Slam Dunk Ernest, the very progressive Ernest Goes to Africa, <laughs> Ernest Goes to the Army, but I was a big Ernest fan, and I remember I went to the outlet mall, the bookstore of the outlet mall, where all the books no one wanted went, <laughs> and on the same day, I bought my first Life in Hell book, and I also bought the second Ernest book. Whoa. Each for a dollar, and I still have the Life in Hell book. <laughs> I didn't know he did books. There wow. are apparently two Ernest books and one book about Ernest written by his like producer comedy partner. Mm -hmm. Okay. Right. He started in commercials too, right? Like we're, we were talking about the telephone commercials. Yes. I think he started like in regional commercials in Tennessee or something. Yeah, like Ernest was a character for an advertising company and he would do your local ads for, you know, your dairy products. Carnation, I think, was yeah. his, his brand. Yeah. Or like he'll say, you know, the Brady Bunch is coming on in your area or, you know, whatever thing they're rerunning and uh that is when Vern was introduced Vern was the cameraman basically he was yeah. the person you Ernest was talking to you were Vern we are all Vern <laughs> the universal <laughs> Vern yeah the, the, I was a big Ernest head too as a kid I mean he was perfect he was right at the level of comedy I had as a kid of like oh this is a funny silly man who has a funny voice and I also I grew up in the south so I I like the southern twang to it as well though I think it's a universe you don't need to be a southerner to like 
Ernest. And I watched his movie some, though I think I stopped with Scared Stupid as well. That is when I had like, oh, I grew out of it. But the thing I love the most was his TV show. The, the TV show he had on CBS Saturday morning. I watched that 8 million times. I, I loved his running gag in that of like, give me a haircut like a Wall Street tycoon. And then he always <laughs> cut his hair to look like a thing that rhymed with that, but wasn't that. And, <laughs> and they, they think they did raccoon first, and then it got even more complex. We're, out of, we're out of jokes. <laughs> I, I, only, I only watched the movies. I never got into the TV or the, the other media. But, um, you know, Homer is kind of an Ernest P. World type character insofar that he wears the exact same wardrobe <laughs> every day and he's stupid. That is true. He needs the vest, but he's got most of it. <laughs> and, they, and they're both indestructible, too, and have a lot of odd jobs. I have to give credit to Ernest Goes to Jail, which I remember seeing in the theaters. It is the one movie where up front they say, we're going to kill. We're going to execute this <laughs> beloved character that you came to see. He is on death row and there's a scene of him being executed, but it gives him superpowers and it's fun after yeah. that. <laughs> That's right. I like that movie. I think it was like it was very stylized. Like I think if memory serves, like the prison guards had like these weird like pink jackets, yes, yeah, or uniforms rather. It was oddly Burtony. Yeah. And I yeah. will say we've had a member of the Ernest family on The Simpsons before this episode, Gaylord Sartain. That's right. Who played uh, the guy with his Big brother Daddy. Bobby? He was Big Daddy. Yeah. So yeah, that's right. But those were also characters from that same advertising company. It would be the one guy, I forget his name, and his brother Bobby who didn't talk. Mm-hmm. Could you imagine like progressive, uh, or like what's her name, Flo, like becoming like a, a like a movie star? <laughs> you just don't see this anymore, where someone can jump from advertising. Yeah, I think Ernest he he was just such an appealing, funny guy. But yeah, yeah the problem with his movies were that he's he's not meant to have like giant a bunch of giant movie adventures. He's he's a guy you see for three minute chunks. His TV show worked way better because it was just a series of sketches. But if you have to to expand his adventures over a whole movie after a few of those you just really run out of things to do with him after after he's gone to jail and met santa claus <laughs> and fought goblins to save the world after that where do you uh, go what if he played uh, tennis <laughs> <laughs> yeah i in think the, in those movies like he split like characters too like suddenly be talking to someone else or like the roman centurion was a character so it, it's like a precursor to to, to split with james mcavoy as well <laughs> that's right in jail he's played his own like evil doppelganger yeah well, <laughs> well jim varney he he is a bit of a mike myers type too in that he's like he had his big hit character of Ernest, but that wasn't the only character he wanted to play he had lots of other characters yeah, like i think his first movie was more like a sketch movie that was just a series of different characters speaking to camera yeah the pre the pre camp movie so i think the story is michael eisner went to some event i think it was like a racing event yes and uh, nobody clapped for mickey mouse but then Ernest came out and he had only done commercials at that point. Everyone went nuts for Ernest. And he was like, I want to be in the Ernest business. And that's why Disney got in bed with Ernest. Uh, it was a smart move. He, he's a bit, I mean, he's a cartoon character. Why not? I'm shocked they don't own, I guess you can't really make Ernest. He's not Spider-Man. Ernest is only one man and you can't really inherit that role or cast a new Ernest. It just, it doesn't really work that way. I mean, they can bring back uh, Peter Cushing. 
Oh, that's true. You know what? Maybe 10, 10, 20 years from now, they'll feel like it won't be in bad taste and they will just make a CGI earnest. I would I would be I would buy a ticket for that. I was kind of <laughs> mad at the at the Tarkin CGI, but like, wow, CGI earnest. That that changes cinema. <laughs> <laughs> I I honestly am shocked nobody just did a CG earnest movie with some guy doing an impersonation like a Dreamworks or below Dreamworks, the like the people who are making ugly dolls right now, whatever <laughs> that company is. I mean, let's talk about Jim Varney himself, too, the, the guest star. I, I We often wait until the guy shows up, but it's such a Jim Varney-centric episode. Yeah, maybe. and they made fun of Ernest a few times on The Simpsons. Uh, yeah. During Ernest's heyday, Ernest goes somewhere cheap. <laughs> Ernest needs a kidney. <laughs> yeah, there were a lot of... Is, in the Gene and Reese years, they took some shots at Ernest, which I think we talked about before how, like, when you're in the comedy business... Uh, in Hollywood, you can't make fun of somebody who could hire you someday. But so that's why Ernest becomes an easy target of like, well, I'm not going to hire Ernest or he's not going to hire me. So if I want to take pot shots at somebody for being not funny, I can do it at the Ernest movies, which they also deserved mockery for being not good films. They they weren't good. They were also so popular. It was less like you're commenting on like, this was like a probably the number one comedy in the country or something. So you do a throwaway joke at it in the background. It was yeah. like making fun of Adam Sandler. Yeah. Yes, exactly. I, I wonder if Jim Varney remembered that or if he, I mean, in 1994 or three, like you're too famous as Jim Varney to even notice everyone making fun of you or specific people. Like Simpsons was hardly the most savage to his career in, uh, in its heyday. <laughs> At this time in 98, Jim Varney was kind of transitioning out of earnest or he was doing more non-earnest things. Toy Wait, didn't he do like the Beverly Hillbillies by now? Yeah, Maybe? he was yeah. a very good Jed, uh, Jed Clampett. Perfect. Perfect yeah. camp casting there yeah and he also had a bit part in the final well not bit uh, a recurring role in the final season of roseanne where he played a rich uh, uh englishman that's right the, the best season of roseanne <laughs> yeah the, the, the one where they're all millionaires and he was doing more uh voice acting work in this and toy story he was veering into a new era of his career and... that was cut really short yeah yeah i mean you could tell by his voice but he was a heavy heavy smoker and drinker and uh he died of lung cancer as you would expect i mean it was um sort of his fate you don't sound like Ernest and live forever it's very sad it is it is sad actually yeah, i looked at the dates on this and like he's diagnosed with lung cancer in august of 98 so this is like six months beforehand it's uh it's it's uh, sad yeah it's sad uh and though he also to his uh, credit he kept, after the diagnosis, he starts, you know, he's taking treatment, but he's also working the whole time. He's filming stuff like he's, his final film appearance will be like two years posthumously for him as a voice in Atlantis. The oh, Disney you're film. right. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, no, it's, uh, it's, it's rather sad though. At least, you know, Ernest didn't live to see 9-11. So that's, uh, you got that. <laughs> that's, that's our marker. Did they, did they make it out? Did they punch out before 9-11? <laughs> it's a good time to punch out. I honestly. agree. <laughs> I'm always happy my grandfather didn't live to see that. I was like. Oh my God, on 9-11, when it was happening, my grandmother went to the hospital. She had like a, like a heart failure. Uh, thing. She ended up living a few more years, but she could have just gotten in under the wire. We, <laughs> and it was funny, like I saw the towers go down from the hospital television and it's just like, she was so close, she could have made it. Oh. <laughs> you could have helped, Eric, come on. <laughs> right, a pillow was right there. What was I thinking? <laughs> I look back on Varney and I see him as just such like a very talented performer who, you know, at worst he took the easy route and did like low comedy for easy money. But I still don't, I do 
consider him like a really good, talented comedic performer who, you know, took the easy route, but who didn't? Uh, Yeah, I think I think people thumb their nose too much at like the whole like clown act type of thing. And I think Ernest is 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 valid as anything else. And, you know, Pee Wee Herman, you could even put in the same kind of uh, place, even though he's held with more respect than Ernest is. Yeah, they're the same sort of uh, playful man-child. Right. Invented at basically the same time, too. They they were brothers in... uh... One is country and one is city, right? (laughs) I mean, Pee-wee came back, but he basically was a CGI robot. (laughs) With all the face smoothing they did. Did a bit of face smoothing for that movie. Well, you don't want to see a wrinkly Pee-wee. I I don't blame them. It'd make you sad otherwise. Good movie, though. His platonic gay love of Joe Manganiello in that movie Mm. is is quite something. But this episode, I guess, is the Carney episode of The Simpsons. Or we should say the title is a tribute to actor Art Carney. That's the yeah, gag. Yeah. Just for people who say, like, you don't talk about the title. So there, boom, we did it. It's Art Carney. <laughs> That's all you get. <laughs> now, uh, Art Carney, born in night. No, I'm yeah, not doing that. No, no. <laughs> you should check out The Late Show with Art Carney, by the way, if you haven't. It's like a 70s thing. He's like a detective. Ooh, really? Check that out. Yeah, it's I've fun. He is in the Star Wars Holiday Special. Yes, yeah. <laughs> uh, his greatest role <laughs> as the mechanic for on the on the Kashyyyk. That's that's right. Uh, but carnivals, uh, as a kid, I both loved and hated them. I uh, I love the garbage food and the games and um, yelling at my parents to spend money on those things. But I was also a big scaredy cat for all those rides. Like I didn't like doing the swings or the one where you're like in a cable car basically and you're pulled sideways as it spins and spins and spins those ones scared me too much i i'm i'm still a bit of a ride wuss mm, well those are the most dangerous rides yes yeah well then as i got older i i realized like no you should be scared these are run by carnies this is scary uh bob were you much of a fan of uh, the carney folk i of the folk of course uh I, I believe my dad must have come from carnies that's my secret <laughs> my secret history but uh yeah, I like going to carnivals until I was maybe like 12 and then too cool for them. And then I I went back like at the age of 22 or 23, like, what is the carnival as an adult? And I hated it. Just like, <laughs> you're just descended upon by bees. Um, you don't want to go on any ride. You realize how deadly they are. The whiskey on the breath of the operators. You can just <laughs> smell it. Yeah, not a good time. But um, I remember winning uh, my prize possession until I was like a teenager was this like frame Beavis and Butthead poster oh, with nice. like the cheapest wood frame. Like, <laughs> sub plywood it was just like <laughs> not even particle board i don't know what it was made out of but uh yeah it was like uh, framed in uh, cellophane wow <laughs> beautiful <laughs> i i never really liked them at all i don't think ever um you know the food is fine and stuff but mostly i was afraid of not so much the carnies necessarily but like the other families there and you're looking <laughs> at this weird kid walking by you like what is his deal and it's just <laughs> the crowds i think got to be an issue and the the smell <laughs> like no one's being nice to that no one's being even like all that courteous or mindful of your space at a carnival either well the carney uh slash county fair stuff i experienced as a kid i did like the kind of agricultural mix of it too when i look back on it and i i really liked how it's not featured in this i think the closest is the vr thing but sometimes they would have like basically a camper van that had a like virtual ride in it that would shake you around i i enjoyed that 
that. Is that like the yard work simulator? <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. We had one of those, but it was like from the 60s or 70s, and oh. it was literally like a film they would show you of, uh, you're in a rocket, you get inside, it's dark, and then the film sh- is shown in front of you, and it sort of rocks back and forth and up and down, and then in the end, the rocket crashes, and like a Martian eats people, and it's over. <laughs> wow. But it was like the early version of like, I don't know, your VR chambers. Uh, okay. I, your I battle pods. That. I Oh, yeah. F- a funny carny moment I remember in my childhood was one of us in our family, my mom, dad, my brother, and mom, only one of us, I th- think dad and half my brother, wanted to go on the swings ride, which is takes you high in the air and swings you really fast. And it scared the crap out of me. But we did it. And But my mom was the most like, uh, had the most acute motion sickness. And she got sick, not only riding it, but also like right after she didn't just throw up, but she's like, I can't move after this. And we all knew how filthy the carnival ground was, but she couldn't even make it to a bench. She's like, I'm laying down right here. People are going to have to step around me. I don't care. I can't, I cannot move. And uh, now, actually, though, Bob, if you want, after this, we can enjoy carnival food right now. There's a, there's a shop, like, right on the corner that's like, we sell carny food. That's so. it. Like, cotton candy, <laughs> caramel apples, fried dough. Uh, yeah, the funnel cake, uh, corn dogs, fried Oreos, fried Twinkies. You can have it all right it's now. Like they know, insane. It's like they know everyone in Berkeley is getting high constantly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, one last thing about rides. Like, I was at California Adventure, and they don't have a lot of thrill rides. I mean, they have one pretty good roller coaster. And uh, the, the scariest ride I was on, though, were, were those swings. Oh, uh, I hate them. Uh, okay. Because it's like, all that separates me from life and death is a thin, rattly bar that comes down and just chains. <laughs> like, And they're swinging you out over water. I was just like, holding on and like oh god what if this is it for me <laughs> are, are you uh are you a ride wuss as well eric or yeah no i'm a total ride wuss i'm just like no nah, you know like i think i rode some rides when i was like 13 or, or so and i think i've never really gone back i'm just like roller coasters i'm i'm okay i don't need to feel disgusting and immediately feel panic once we start going <laughs> up this thing um, the closest I have recently to a uh, carnival-esque experience was going to a music fest in the Catskills at a ski resort, <laughs> and I went up on the ski lift, and that was another moment where, is, and this is like in the summer, so there's no snow to ever cushion your fall, <laughs> and I'm just going up this ski lift, and you get the pang of terror, like, oh my God, what have I done? And then when we're getting to the top of the mountain, they're like, well, because, you know, you're not getting off, we're not going to stop it. So you need to, within five seconds, raise this bar up over your head and then back <laughs> down again. Oh, and that's enough for me. I think I'm set now for another 20 years. Yeah, ski lift technology has not really improved, ever. <laughs> yeah, you'd, well, th- you'd think it would have, you know? Let's get Silicon Valley on this, man. We need some innovators in the ski lift realm. Uh, this episode, written by John Swartzwelder, a perfect coupling, because he, he loves old carny time stuff. So Yeah, uh, it's full and, of old-timey <laughs> crap. A carny is just a hobo with a job. Yeah, <laughs> Very, yeah it's a good one. I, yeah, I, I think the carnies, the carnies here are also disgusting. I, I was saying to Bob before we start recording, this might be the most disgusting episode of the show to this point we've done. In yeah, at order. least the most feces on screen, possibly yeah. in an entire Simpsons episode throughout the history of the show. <laughs> well, and every carny is gross. Everything they do is gross. There's just so there's a lot of like rectal jokes in this too. I, I'm oh, right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's it was shocking how gross this one is. Matt Groening was definitely away working on Futurama during this. I 
thing. Yeah, there's a run of jokes where I can tell he would have uh, shut them down if he yeah. was there. <laughs> uh, but I guess let's let's get straight to business, dog business, as it were, with the first clip from this episode. Come on, you have to go outside to do your business. The experts say that if you want an animal to do something, you should do it yourself first to show him how. I'm not going to the bathroom in the backyard. Sorry, your majesty. Why don't you want to go out there? Ugh, the kids are supposed to be keeping this yard clean. Ah! Ah! Oh, Ned, I'm so sorry. Oh, no problem, Marge. Oh. <laughs> turn on the TV, Elise. You turn it on. I turned it on yesterday. Allowance day. Ding, 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 ding. You don't deserve an allowance. Sure we do. Ding, 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 ding. Ice cream, man. Ice cream. <laughs> the reveal of Bart being upside down is really great. How the whole yeah. entire frame spins around. It's very, very well done. The laziness of the kids. This uh, this felt very observed by a parent of who just sees their kids. Like that was my stance of like I'm not only going to say no to chores, but I'm going to say no with the least movement as possible. Yeah, this spoke to my soul. On, on we hate movies, we sometimes refer to what is fat kid summer. I love that. <laughs> You're yes. staying indoors. You're too lazy to turn on the TV. Maybe <laughs> I, I had a number of fat kid summers for sure. <laughs> yeah, I have a fat inner child. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, you don't. Uh, you don't have to be heavy to watch TV, but it's it helps. True. I could be isolated and weird without the uh, weight. <laughs> the, also, the thing of like, no, it's it's allowance day. Just give it to me. Like, yeah. I think I think over time I was able to shave off the idea of chores from my parents. And just like, look, I just get uh, my allowance is twenty bucks. I got it up to by about twelve. I think. That yeah. Was... And Bart and Lisa are right to realize, like, if you don't take care of us, you'll be arrested. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they got that edge on her. It's true. As a kid too, I thought it was too mean to have Ned build. When Ned was bit the second time, I was like, that's too mean to poor Ned. That's a little too harsh. He's dead. It makes it more painful that you don't see it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I I do like the acting on Harry, like that he's so agreeable, but he's like, oh, it's okay. Oh. They they like to make Ned suffer. That's a, that's a real Mike Scully trait. I'll make him suffer a lot. Uh, what next year? It's three years from her. De- it's two years uh, from her so death. So two two seasons. Yeah. Yeah. I mean the 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 marriage thing's not so uh, nice either for sure. I have another pick for line of the show, but Homer thinking it's an ice cream truck that dings <laughs> is very funny. Uh, then Marge sends them out to uh, to do their chores. The design of Bart and his sunflower overalls is so funny. I love it, and the sound design on this haw haw here but i can't go out dressed like this what if someone sees me you're just going into our backyard no one will see you (laughs) 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 man look at all this stuff pull weeds mow lawn scoop and bag dog business there's got to be a way out of this (gasps) lisa Chop off my hands. No. Then who'd chop off my hands? All right, you chop my hands halfway off, and then I'll still have enough strength to chop Get to work! <laughs> it's very kid logic. I like that a yeah. lot. <laughs> It's amazing, and it's 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 a morbid uh, line too, which is great. And I also love how Nelson's just—he's like the eye of Sauron in <laughs> Springfield. Nelson is on call to deliver abuse. It happens a few times in this episode. He's stalking Bart, really. I think the and that he knows, like, I gotta say the other hall when the door after the door opens again. 
I I really feel for Marge here too that like she really gets it in this episode and all she wants is them to do what they're supposed to do. <laughs> there's now, a, there's a lot of uh, great back and forth bits between two characters in this episode. This is one of three oh, yeah. that really stand out. There's a real vaudeville feel, feel to this one, I think. Yeah, with all these exchanges and the the kid as a kid I didn't obviously I didn't try to chop off my own hands, but I did have that like uh envision of like, well what if I did chop it off halfway and then you chopped off my could it could it work? Could could it happen? In moments of desperation at bad jobs, I would wake up and think, hmm, would it be hard to break my ankle? <laughs> oh jeez. <laughs> uh, just put on a fake cast. You don't don't break it, just fake mm. it. They can't what are they gonna ask for your x-rays at work? That's not gonna happen. They probably would. At some jobs. <laughs> Actually, yeah. And then drug test you. The Simpsons will be right back. I hope you're all adhering to the Carney code out there. And I have a special Carney shout out to our guest this week, Eric Siska. He did a great job. We thank him so much for coming on. And you guys should definitely check him out on his podcast, We Hate Movies and Hooked on TJ Hooker. Thanks so much, Eric, for your time. And if you enjoy this podcast but want to hear it a week ahead of time and ad-free, you should head over to patreon.com slash talking simpsons. Once you sign up at $5 a month, you'll get access to every episode of Talking Simpsons a week ahead of time and ad-free. And the same goes for our sister podcast, our weekly animation podcast what a cartoon where me and bob give the talking simpsons treatment to a different animated series each week but that's just the beginning of what you get for your five dollars a month you'll get our many mini series like talking critic talking futurama and the currently airing talking of the hill where me and bob are going through the entire first season of king of the hill one friday at a time and you'd get to hear tons of interviews over 20 original interviews me and bob have done with folks who have worked on The Simpsons, some as early as the very first short on Tracy Ullman. You'll hear all of that and a million other things if you sign up right now at patreon.com slash talking Simpsons. Hard work doesn't make me and Bob quit. We rise to the challenge and make tons of new podcasts every week. And if you want to hear some of our most premium content, you need to check out the $10 and up level at patreon.com slash talking Simpsons. There, we do a monthly What a Cartoon Movie podcast where me and Bob discuss a different animated feature film each month that's usually chosen by our listeners. If you signed up now, you can hear me and Bob talk for three hours or more about films like Batman. Man Mask of the Phantasm, Kiki's Delivery Service, Akira, a goofy movie, and The Secret of Nim with another cool movie coming up in April. You'll hear all of those, plus get all of our original $10 and up video content that we did before we started the What a Cartoon Movie podcast. Check all of that out at patreon.com slash talking simpsons.
Uh, so yeah, the the kids are put to work. They immediately reject it. And again, Marge, now this shows how like lame and old I'm getting. I just feel for Marge. She put all that work into making that lemonade as a as a reward for them finally doing their chores, and they just went right back inside the second she turned around. I, I feel really bad for her here. Kids, I made some lemonade for you. Sounds great. Bring it in here. What the? What are you doing inside? Work was hard, so we quit. What? <laughs> hard work made us quit. I see. Well, then, no chores, no allowance. Okay, we get our room and board free anyway. And Santa Claus provides the rest. <gasps> the carnival! We need money fast. Well, well, well. Looks like somebody's gonna have to do some yards. It's carnival time. <laughs> Here's money, kids. Take what you need. Oh, boy, oh, free, free money. Whoa. I love that Homer's doing the dings now, too. <laughs> it's just he loves saying it. It's just so fun. I, free money. <laughs> free money. And he just take opens it. his wallet. Just take what you can. Just grab it. It's also nice to see Lisa be rebellious for a change. <laughs> yeah. yeah. She could be just as shiftless as Bart. They made Lisa into a ba- a worse kid in the in the Scully years, which, you know, kids are it, Lisa is kind of an idealized kid when she's good. You know, even a smart eight-year-old can also be a dick, like <laughs> definitely. <laughs> and say that like Hard work made us quit. Like that, just that simple. I mean, your brain, as it's developing, it only wants to feed your impulses. Yeah. It doesn't want anything long term. <laughs> right. And, she, and she's not like into the manual labor. She's She's got the brain and you watch TV to gain information. <laughs> Marge, you know, my, maybe Marge would have had a better shot if she had said it was like some environmental cause to clean oh, up definitely. the backyard. She could have tricked Lisa. <laughs> she wasn't thinking, she was trying to, that was Marge's mistake. She was trying to deal with them honestly. When she should have just tricked the children. Like it works better when they she like lies to them about going to Disneyland to trick them. <laughs> Homer's just a big kid in this episode, but that was a good strategy as a kid. If one parent won't do something, you go to the other parent. They Oh, they, two parents, Henry. La di da, Mr. Two Parent Household. <laughs> Everybody has two parents. <laughs> I'm showing off here. I'm sorry. I talked to Ghost Dad. <laughs> <laughs> you would say to your mom, Well, theoretically, Dad would let me do this. If, if I had a father, he would. Would say yes. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's okay. Sorry. Check your dad uh, privilege at the door. Uh, they head to the carnival. That's where there's the opening bit of them pulling Marge in different directions to do stuff. Food. It was food first for me at the mm. carnival. Not to be a stereotypical fat kid, but uh, the uh, I really enjoyed the yard work simulator because as someone who plays a lot of video games, I have been playing the newest version of yard work simulator, Stardew Valley. <laughs> and uh, to not go insane, we edit a lot of podcasts. I will usually play a a slow paced video game. I can pause while I edit things, and I've been playing a lot of Stardew Valley lately. <laughs> wow! So uh, I should get I should get back into that. Recommended. Uh, but well, uh, what's your favorite carny food? Is it? Uh, I mm. mean, mine is mine is funnel cake, aka fried sugar. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you there. I think. Yeah, I'm gonna say fried. Uh, like bread is good. You fry the bread, even better. Fry mm. the bread and put sugar on it. We're talking business here. <laughs> what I love about funnel cakes is that they just like there's no wrong way to make it. You just just pour strings of dough into a fryer and then pull it out. Like It's it almost like look... someone strung out on meth can make it. <laughs> uh, but a fryer with a meth head? That's a, that sounds like a, ri- a real risk there. The other thing I like about funnel cakes is that like after three minutes, they are it's not good. Like 
like it's you gotta eat it while it's crispy instead of it, soggy. It's like McDonald's food. Just like yeah. you need to eat it immediately. <laughs> Don't even go to the bathroom. And uh, by the way, I, I'm sure there's some good, hardworking, upstanding carnies out there. Yeah, I'm sure. There's, there's got to be one or two. <laughs> I wonder, like governmentally, how do they wear? Like they got to be independent contractors. Then I would assume the uh, that's how they pay their taxes. As it like there has to be the carny business, like that. The, they can't just be fly by night anymore. Even in '98, so carnies are getting 10.99 misks. <laughs> they're, they're, they're sending in like estimated taxes every quarter. <laughs> Boy, we uh, all sound like guys who filing our taxes right now. It's like we all have Patreons. <laughs> uh, the, uh, the yeah, I looked up. There's no. There are other yard work simulators, not just Stardew Valley, but there's not any in VR that I could find yet. Mm. Now there are carnival games VR. The carnival games for our non-video game playing fans there's a long-running casual game series called carnival games and they made a vr version of that i played a demo of it once it's fine it's just, it's like every other vr game i've played which is like five minutes of fun and then my head hurts and i, I don't want to play anymore so the next clip though is uh about the scary rides the tooth chipper here which also comes with a lot of uh simpsons history baked into it too wow the tooth chipper Me first. You can't go on that. You have a heart condition. (laughs) Heart condition? Get out of here. You had a quadruple bypass. You nearly died. Don't you remember? Obviously I don't. Now if you'll get out of my way. But it doesn't look safe. And the guy running it looks a little seedy. No offense. None taken. He's not just some guy, Marge. He's a carny. And part of a noble tradition. Carnies built this country. The carnival part of it, anyway. And though they may be rat-like in appearance, <laughs> they are truly kings among men. Okay, let's go, Fatty. Yes, sir. Oh, Ow, my heart! <laughs> they are really carrying the weight of the Simpsons history. They really them. are. <laughs> and uh, I was just listening to the other big Simpsons podcast, Everything's Coming Up Simpsons. Recent friends of ours. Friend, they're our friends. They're friends. But they recently did Homer Shipple Bypass. And you, upon hearing that again, like, I mean, we did it a few years ago, you have to think about the horror of a 36-year-old man needing all of his <laughs> valves replaced. That's uh, pretty horrible. Yeah, actually. Now as a 36-year-old, uh, that uh, is more chilling than any <laughs> uh, than any screamatorium. Yeah, that'd take a lot of carnival food. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, Homer does uh, eat horribly and still does after his triple bypass, which I, I guess, you know, Dr. Nick Riviera is not telling him otherwise uh, to, to improve his diet. Well, so that joke kind of confused me as a kid because she says quadruple bypass, and we all know the episode uh, is triple bypass. bypass. <laughs> Maybe he got that last valve replaced uh, <laughs> off screen sometime. He's had other heart attacks yeah. for sure. <laughs> One a year, probably. <laughs> well, the wiki, the wiki is, seems to suppose that the what made it from a triple to a quad was the heart attack he has at the end of uh, Lisa. Oh, you could be right. Slurry. You could be right about that. That's that's their inference, though. I think it could also just be that like they meant to reference triple bypass, but somebody wrote it as quadruple and and misspoke or increased it 
in a humorous fashion. So he's just like uh, Dick Cheney in Vice. <laughs> uh, how about we uh, go to the hospital right now? <laughs> <laughs> how can Dick Cheney still be alive? It's incra- what if we uh, came to a different understanding and uh, went to the hospital immediately? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, you, but you're right. Uh, this is them feeling the. Feeling the history again, like I think almost every episode of season nine has a joke about how they did something before or how this is similar to something else or how they did uh, or how they have a collection of things from a previous thing. And there's one more reference in this episode coming up later, yeah. a visual reference. Uh, but Homer's Obviously I Don't is explains how they can even exist and continue doing stories because Homer can't remember the things that happened before or else it would hurt their ability to tell stories now, so. So they just have to accept like Homer doesn't remember his quadruple bypass. It just he's like didn't. memento or something, right? <laughs> he he does have a lot of brain damage. I mean, so it's it's, it's a lot of it's a lot of history to tattoo on yourself after what seven hundred episodes. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ! <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the screamatorium of Doctor Frightmarestein is a great name <laughs> that I Amazing. love a lot. It's like a thing on top of a thing on top of a thing. I I and I love the carnival barker design too, and his his push of like there's two tickets like just to get the kids in there. The all the carny designs like the rat like guy in the previous scene I think is maybe my favorite because he has this ridiculous note. Like yeah, he, he truly is rat like. He very is. <laughs> and uh, I've been on one of these like carnival haunted houses where it's essentially like built out of a trailer yes so yeah. there are a lot of sharp turns and it's just very lame they are so lame yeah i'm I, uh they terrified me when i was like five i went on one and i remember just crying the rest of the day it like really got me <laughs> but then when i went on it it made me scared of them until i went on one at 13 and that's when i realized like how just fucking lame they are this was after i'd been to like universe a real theme park and ridden a real ride so i i knew how low low rent the whole thing was and now the screamatorium, all this. Well, Bob has not seen us yet, but I'm just saying, like, this, <laughs> I was oh, thinking about us while watching it. this. Yes, but I'm seeing it on Saturday. As the trailers will show you, the Santa Monica boardwalk is part of the movie. So, oh, okay. Look, if you know, you know. I thought it was Santa Cruz. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Santa I can Cruz, visit the screamatorium. San- you can. Yes. Yeah. I wonder if they've had a real uptick in Santa Cruz visits since. Uh, uh, but yes. Yeah. This this ride here, the screamatorium, though, it's uh, I, I got the full clip because the sound effects are funny enough on their own, even without the visuals. No surgeon can save you. No bromo can soothe you. Do you dare enter the screamatorium of Dr. Frightmarestein? Only two tickets left. Two tickets? Whoa, what a break. <laughs> this isn't very scary. I want your love. Um, I think that one's broken. That was just confusing. Behold, the ravages of age. Boo! Exit to your life. <laughs> Sorry. It's great that uh, he actually has shame. Yeah, he's the, the kid stared at him. He's like, he's actually all the other carnies. They're just like, look, I got your money. I don't care. But in this case, he actually feels bad about how how shitty it is. It's his, that's his problem as a carny. He should he should be done with shame by now. I like that they they care enough though. They have a guy in there servicing it, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> replacing with like the the eyes of the owl. That's right. I think so. Yeah. Or, no, the Spring, ghost eyes. Right. Bulbs. 
And uh, and yeah, the the spring with nothing there. That's so great too. <laughs> I think it's a really underrated line, but like no bromo can soothe you. That's uh, that's a very oldie. It feels more like a Bill and Josh kind of oldie time reference of a bromide that soothes oneself. I enjoy the donkey skeleton. That's just confusing. <laughs> there are a lot of really uh, Schwartzweldian touches in this episode. Yeah, the things that just happen for no reason. It's uh, yeah, and well, also that's speaking of great stupid joke constructions. The crusty joke is only funny because of how obvious it is. Yeah, like, I think they've even done jokes about squirting things at a carnival. Like that was Nelson was squirting Martin at it. I remember now they did. So they've done this joke before, but doing it with crusty and him. Him failing to understand why it's happening <laughs> is, is so sweatily hilarious. And uh, then, yes, we get our introduction to Cooter and Spud. And uh, I guess now it's sadly time to play oh, the no. official Simpsons death jingle for, for our guest star. Death stalks you at every turn. Ah, there it is, death. So he only made it to 50. Yeah, very sad. So he was, he was like in his 30s as Ernest. Wow. At, the, wow. at peak Ernest, he was yeah. like in his 30s. He's so much more successful. In, in by our age, he had uh, been like the most successful <laughs> Ernest ever. We're failures. We're failures. <laughs> oh, definitely. Well, you can't keep comparing yourself to Ernest Bob. I'm going out and buying a jean vest as soon as this is over. <laughs> <laughs> well, and yeah, they, they it was a big deal for them to get Ernest. They have a great gag on there, too, talking about how they, after they got Jim Barney recorded, he said he was going to Korea for a film festival. He's like, I just love Ernest in Korea. I don't know. <laughs> And God, his voice, his voice, this, like you said, it's the voice you get when you are a chain smoker who drinks like a fish, yeah. but it's, it, it makes it unique. Nobody, folks who don't, who haven't died of lung cancer have to fake this voice and to put it on. It's just, it doesn't feel the same. True. I think the path to success is not the gene vest. It's a pack of two, three packs a day and a <laughs> handle of Jack. God, I haven't even started smoking. I've drunk plenty, but, uh. You like high tar Marlboros to catch up now. <laughs> yeah, it is, and he plays Cooter great because and this shows his range too. Because like it's the same twang pretty much, but he does play Ernest with a real like naive innocence. Like yeah, he is the pigeon who gets caught by the Cooters of the world, but he plays Cooter uh, as a like likable bad person. That's that's what I re- a scam artist who yeah. you're like well. I still kind of like it. You're He's funny. a scoundrel with charisma, like that cooter. <laughs> and and you care for him as a father too. I I like it. And they I had thought this, and they say it on the commentary directly. He is designed to look like Dave Merkin. Oh, you know what? Totally. Yeah, I can see that. <laughs> For, former executive producer of the series with his um, uh, with his ponytail and light uh, mustache. mustache, which I think he's gotten rid of that mustache now. And maybe he went the, on to be a carny, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's producing shows for YouTube now, which is like being a carny. <laughs> <laughs> it is definitely the carny of the entertainment world. <laughs> uh, but yes, yeah, so let's let's hear from uh, Cooter for the first time. Three rings for a dollar. Who's ready? Who's ready? See any pigeons yet, Dad? <laughs> How about you, Lucky? <gasps> Who, me? <laughs> hey, Sawtop, want your dad to win you a TV? Quick, Dad, before somebody else wins it. <clears throat> Ooh, almost. Rats, too hard. Ooh, that was close. Wow, what a scam. Sorry, son. Daddy failed. Oh, listen, pal. I, I got a son of my own. Here. 
A novelty comb. Kings among men. <laughs> I also noted they they designed Spud to have Bart's can head. Like yeah. it's, it's a very similar head shape to Bart's. It's the carny version of Bart's. <laughs> yeah, and the uh, and yeah, the carny god. So many great observations about carnival games. Like the I I did a ring toss once that, uh, and it was for a bunch of bottles. Like it was trying to throw them over bottles. Didn't win, Jack. Like I I would have killed for that Beavis and Butthead poster. I never won anything that big. I think I had to pop a balloon. <laughs> and the price I paid to pop that balloon was more than the poster would have cost them. So it didn't really matter. And in this ring toss game, I love that the, the win the TV and the it, it's uh, it's old and it's got yeah. it's got cobwebs on it and it sets next to it the appliance the new appliance everyone's talking about. Oh god, such a great joke about how like there's as you got older as a kid, I definitely would notice like boy, that's an old radio that I could win yeah. here. <laughs> like a Chuck E. Cheese or those redemption ticket places, the the costliest of prizes were uh, often like way out of date. Like win a Nintendo, it's like it's 1992. What's going on here? I don't want to win a Nintendo. Now the Nintendo's worth way more than it was then in, a, true. in the box. Saying uh, Chuck E. Cheese and redemption in the same sentence makes me think of like Chucky, like working his way back, like after some horrible thing he's done. <laughs> I think he's still sticking it out, that yeah. Chucky. He's still doing it. I don't know. Charles Entertainment Cheese. <laughs> Fortnite might kill him. Uh, he's. he's He's outlived all. He outlived Guitar Hero. He can outlive for <laughs> Uh That giant comb. I never got that. I did like the. Uh, I think I man. What was the? I got like a ring that had a spider on it. That was that. It, it would like it was supposed to scare people. Like a oh, spider is on my hand. Oh no! Ha ha! It's just. A I didn't ring. know that was the joke. I thought like I'm the king of spiders with my special <laughs> well, ring. After after you've shocked your mom, then yeah. then it turns into that. So is that a rubber snakes? Those were usually the uh, the five ring, uh, the five ticket kind of win I'd, I'd get at a carnival game like that. The very I love the Looney Tunes joke of Homer turning into a pigeon and then <laughs> yeah. turning back and he's still bobbing his head pigeon style. <laughs> and then Homer, I always love when they write Homer as the perfect uh, rube, the 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 one you pray for is just like who me? Yeah, he's literally counting his money or just <laughs> holding a wad of cash, he just in his hand waiting. Waiting for someone to just grab it from him. It's uh, God. so this. I think is the first rich Texan had appeared in other episodes before this. Lady, you're all right. <laughs> but I think this is his first thing where he is named Rick, Rich Texan. I thought it was cur- Colonel Tex. Okay, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think there's a sign that says Colonel Texas Carnival, which is interesting that he owns the carnival and I guess is taking it town to town. So he's only in Springfield once in a while, or I guess he resides mm. there yet travels for business. <laughs> And he puts his name on it too. I think, like how Snake's name is Jailbird, he is really Rich Texan yes. in the script. I think he has turned. Yeah, I, he definitely is called Rich Texan out loud later in the show too, in the later seasons. But this, I think, this is when they he became more than just a one line guy, and he just he became the guy who would show up when other rich people were around. I this is the ascendance of Rich Texan, is what I mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and maybe he should always be called Colonel Rich Texan. Did he reach that rank in the uh, the chicken services? Or <laughs> well, I think he's a colonel, just like how Colonel Parker was a colonel. Like of, uh, no, I think he was a uh, he was a colonel in the Wehrmacht, and that's how he comes across <laughs> Hitler's. Uh-huh. Oh wow! Yeah, all these Hitler jokes again. Another thing that really feels like um, uh, Matt Grading was not in the room. He Matt Grading famously does not like Hitler jokes and tried to contain them as 
much as possible on the show. Oh, but they're so good. These are great. I I love, I love this. Yeah, this this whole Hitler <laughs> Hitler's car. Let's let's hear all about it. You're looking at Adolf Hitler's personal limousine. It's roomier than Bonnie and Clyde's death car, and was the first automobile to come with farfic nougat. Wow, it's furorific. There are some who say Hitler's skeleton is in the trunk. Others say just a spare tire. I'm a busy man, so I haven't checked yet. <laughs> hmm, one of these must activate the flamethrower. Uh-oh. Bart! What in the name of high school football? <laughs> Out of my way, I'm Hitler! <laughs> That is so great. So um, I just sort of realized upon this viewing, so uh, it's the first car with Farfignugan. Yes. And that was Volkswagen's uh, sort of catchphrase. It means driving pleasure. It's mm. sort of one of those German mashup words. It's a it's a roundabout way of saying Volkswagen was in bed with Nazis. Which they were. Yeah, like, yeah. It's yeah. only fair. But I think Volkswagen probably would sue the show or uh, not advertise with them if they, if they knew they were being made fun of. Yeah, but I think I'm pretty sure Hitler's car was manufactured by Mercedes. And didn't they also do some trucks for... For Nazi hmm, Germany, possibly. Yeah, I mean, Mercedes was the top guys for them. I, I, yeah, Volkswagen was a little lower on the list. It's, it's sorry, no, it's it's cars for the people, right? Yes, Vol- <laughs> the Volkswagen. Yeah, Jal- some people. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jalopnik had an interesting article on like, is it fair to say Volkswagen was founded by Nazis? And like, well, no, but but well, if you were. If you were a German company that existed in Germany during the Third Reich, well, you <laughs> you either were closed and shut down by the government, or you worked with the government. They want to be rich. Rich as Nazis. Yeah, exactly. So, so Isn't yeah. there like there's just like an urban legend or something that Hitler designed the Volkswagen Bug? Oh yes, yeah. That's that's a fun urban legend, but it's not. So Hitler was too busy with his his meth, and he had he had bigger plans. This that. is the second time that Bart was in a famous historical car, though. <laughs> and uh, Mr. Lisa goes to Washington. He was inside of Bonnie and Clyde's death car. Uh, yeah. And Helper says, show some respect. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, so I, he can I, confirm if it's more roomy or not. <laughs> it seemed a little roomier on the inside. I, I like that Rich Texan even pitches why this is better than the other historical cars he could get. <laughs> <laughs> and the fact that he, does, he doesn't have time to check the trunk. Yeah, that Hitler's skeleton man. might be inside. <laughs> uh, and yeah, the, not, the, uh, the, the only fair, the to be fair, to Volkswagen, they were in Germany, and they had they either had they didn't have much choice to work for Nazis, whether the people who ran it wanted to or not. Meanwhile, say General Motors, they were an American company, and didn't they had some choice to work with Nazis or not? And they happily did. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so think about that huh? if we're if we're measuring Nazi cooperation. I guess yeah. Let's let's hear all about Farfignugan, the uh, oh, the, the random word from this 1991 car commercial. That's Farfignugan, and the Volkswagen Jetta has plenty of it, let me tell you. I'm talking about crisp European handling, brisk acceleration, room for five adults, not to mention that huge trunk. <laughs> <laughs> wow. 
so don't take my word for it, although I am a professional. Sample some Farfignugan in a Jetta today. Farfignugan, it's what makes a car a Volkswagen. So it is roomy, and the trunk is large enough for one Hitler skeleton. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that guy, that was too good. That's too good. Uh, my brother had a Jetta. I think that's the only. It was like a, a used car he purchased. I where we were a Honda family, and uh, where I'd ever own a car again, I mm. think it would be a Honda as well. My mom bought plenty of Volkswagens. I have not questioned her alliances. <laughs> Al Jean had a great joke about Volkswagen that, or it might have been a Mercedes. There was like a this car company through the years because it was their hundredth year, and it was to the tune of like falling in love again. And he jokes about how it gets up to like 1929, (laughs) and then it cuts to the 50s. They're like, what happened in those other 20 years? What happened there? Uh, But enough Hitler jokes. I I I like Bart's uh, out of my way. I'm Hitler. That's that's quite a pronouncement too. <laughs> and did you guys notice that uh, they reused a couple of carny folk that they'd used in uh, the previous seasons here? The impervious to pain guy. Oh, Impervo. Yeah. He, there was a joke about him in Homer Palooza. Yes. Yeah. Actually kind of similar where he, he hit, he cuts his finger while na- putting a nail in his nose. He's like, Ooh, ow, yeah. my finger. <laughs> And, uh, and then the fortune teller, though they changed her skin tone, I think she's uh, she's the same fortune teller who oh. does tell Lisa about her future from with Hugh Parkfield. Lisa's wedding, yeah. Uh, though I feel like there's a cut that it was Mo she's reading the fortune for. I feel like there's a cut joke where Mo would have said like, "Wow." Yeah, if Mo was there, there should be a Mo joke. <laughs> <laughs> they crash the car, and that's when Bart gets punched, being told like, "What did Hitler ever do to you?" <laughs> a good outro line there. I like that. Then we get to meet Humphrey the talk. Camel as I must say, Humphrey is a dromedary, only one hump. Oh, oh, yeah. bam. I didn't know, I don't know these camel rules. That's that's the only rule you need to know. Okay, also, that's so fat, he, not water. So, is he still a camel? Uh, scientifically, no, but I oh. think it's easier to say camel. <laughs> that's like the champagne region fact of camels. I did not know this about camels. If you want to be a little smart ass kid, uh, it's a real gotcha for people. Though them becoming carnies, this also, speaking of uh, things have gone on very long kind of jokes in The Simpsons that Homer just accepts having a new job like it is nothing. Like, no, I also want this job. Like, I, we have to do this job together. Did this start happening in the show yet? Because I haven't, you know, I sort of haven't been watching it for a little while. And I know that it eventually gets to Homer having a new job every other weekend. I mean, I think technically it started in uh, season three mm-hmm. and on and off, but they would they would uh, increase the amount of times they did these stories, like Colonel Homer when he was uh, Lurleen Lumpkin's manager for no yeah. reason. That was really the start of it, I want to say. I think that might be the first real, like, well, no, dancing Homer. That's there, true, yeah. That in season two. But they had to make a big deal, like, Homer has to tell his boss he's leaving, he has to, they're going to move. It's like, <laughs> but now it's just like, well, now he can have a new job. Yes. Right. Yeah. It's no longer grounded anymore. It's just like... For jokes, who cares? Yeah, I think the internal Rubicon was crossed. I love saying the term Rubicon was crossed, but <laughs> the the in the they made the real change when uh, in Homer Palooza, Marge says, "You don't have to have this job. Why are you doing?" He's like, uh, "It's my calling. I have to." That's when they finally like, "How does he just keep getting new jobs?" Yeah. <laughs> And then, of course, in the previously mentioned Maud Dies episode, I think that's when they finally just put a pin in the whole thing. They're just like, Bart says, do you even go to work anymore? It's pretty obvious <laughs> I don't. <laughs> they, they ran out of jokes for the nuclear plant. <laughs> uh, but yes, here's, here's them becoming carnies. Not so fast, partner. You owe me some money. 
Hey, come on. He doesn't have any money. Look at his clothes. <laughs> well, I still can't let him off the hook. You're gonna work off your debt right here. At the carnival? Cool. Hey, that's not fair. I want to be a carny, too. Can I, Mr. Hunk? Can I, please? <laughs> I don't know. You gonna get drunk and start a lot of trouble? <laughs> sure, anything you want. Mm. All right, see you tomorrow, 6 a.m. And you're gonna work like you've never worked before. Woohoo! We just saw the most amazing camel. It was wearing a hat. <laughs> Marge is very easily amused. Uh, Lisa should know better. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. She should be. Maybe there should have been one extra joke where she's like, "Mom, that's not the." <laughs> but it's fun. It is funnier to just go out of Marge say like, "He had a hat." <laughs> yeah. That Homer. They. I also forgot they're working for free in all this, so the family's really losing a lot of money on this deal. They're paying off their Hitler debt. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's true. Oh God, the that camel design too. That's why I realize now why he's. There's no reason he has a hat other than for Marge to comment on it in the next it's scene. A delightful fez, I think. And uh, speaking of uh, disgusting things in this episode, the morning at the carnival sequence is so gross and, <laughs> and funny too the readjusting the funhouse letter so they're askew is a great uh, john sportswater style joke i laughed really hard at that <laughs> all of the trash blooming yeah oh, god yeah the and the and the rats running on the hot dog rollers i love the guy's little laugh as he sprays them <laughs> away it's very you got to find the fun where you can as a carny and the uh and yeah the that i I overthought the logic on that funhouse thing of like, so do they straighten at night naturally, and you have to unstraighten them at the at the start of every morning? How does this happen? I, uh, but that's that's the joke. Mm-hmm. But yeah, for so, some reason is a very for, for common reason. John Swartwater logic. <laughs> and uh, yes, now that Bart and Homer are carnies, they get introduced to the carny code. Son, if you don't finish your cotton candy, you won't get your snow cone. Ah, oh, heck. Hey, you lost your money fair and square. I didn't scam nobody. Oh, put down your stick. We're here to work. Starting today, we're carnies, just like you. Well, in that case, let me show you how I scammed you. (laughs) Have a seat. Spud, throw a couple more apples in the caramel. Oh, no, don't worry. That's just to scare off thieves. Hmm. Yeah, he's telling the truth. Thanks for the food, mister. Name's Cooter. This is my boy, Spud. And there's no need to thank us. We carnival folks look out for each other. That's the carny code. Did you hear that, Bart? Mm-hmm. The carny code. Bart, did you hear that? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Homer drinking from the barf bucket to test it. Oh, I mean, just oh. drinking caramel from a rusty bucket is disgusting enough. <laughs> yes, but yeah. That's a great I screen mean- crap you can get. And then it's stuck on his face for this scene. <laughs> yeah. I want to say, so then we get a bunch of, like, feces later. And I have to say, like, at this point in the show, uh, Ron Haugie was writing for the show. And he had just come off of Ren and Stimpy. Uh, so I feel like all the scatological stuff is coming from him. Or he's giving yeah. it, the, he's putting the seed in their brains. Like, we can do this now. I I'm, thought G.G. Allen was writing for the show <laughs> at this point. <laughs> these, these gags would definitely fit 
if you recast Bart and Homer as Ren and Stimpy doing these jobs around the carnival, it all works the same. Oh god, yeah. This is this like the second act is a Ren and Stimpy uh short. <laughs> Ren and Stimpy get a new job. Yeah. yeah that you, was like every yeah. Ren and Stimpy. <laughs> now they're this. God, the god him drinking from the barf bucket is so it's so funny, but so disgusting. Like it's again, I feel like Matt Groening would have said no to that. He and I also like that Bart is so Homer for plot purposes has to reinforce the carny code because will come up later and bart's mad at it like yes i hear it i it's in the the point has been reinforced i'm even more shocked now that they got that amount of horse shit on screen it's so lovingly depicted like it's (laughs) it's green and brown (laughs) real variety to it and bart's just shoveling it to a bigger pile it doesn't really seem to be cleaning it up where's it going yeah they they cut it just the right point after the tail raise yes it's very it's a very funny joke uh yeah i think you know mark kirkland on the commentary says this is the only one he asked his parents not to watch (laughs) and i think it's just because it's so gross like it's just such a disgusting one uh yeah a tail raising joke in the simpsons but but lee nancy's acting on it is really good to like <laughs> and uh, well and speaking this isn't so much disgusting but the sounds the sounds of homer in this dunk tank oh boy yeah it hurts <laughs> so much and i'm now going to inflict it upon the audience here oh i thought you were just about to please folks hold your fire the water level is dangerously low <laughs> oh Oh, oh, my leg! <laughs> All right, now this geek bit is pretty straightforward. You just bite the heads off the chickens and take a bow. <laughs> go on, give it a try. Remember, big smiles. Uh, Art? Yeah, Dad? Do I like chicken? Does it matter? I guess not. <laughs> hey, boss, uh... Me and Spud got to duck out for our AA meeting. We need someone to cover for. Ugh. Okay. Simpson, you and your boy will be taking over the ring toss. Dad, we're saved. Mm-hmm. Buddy, you're the luckiest chicken in the world. <laughs> Homer pulling that chicken out, uh, he put it in butt first. Yes, uh, that's to be the nastiest way to put a chicken in your mouth, I'd have to think. I also love this sequence because at the geek tent on the background, it says artist's entrance. So they're <laughs> at the, the back area for performers. Uh, I miss that. I miss that too. Yeah, that's great. I like the joke about the AA meetings, but this is a very different definition of geek than the one we all grew up with. It, it was weird to find out in retrospect, like geek was different. Yeah. It meant you were like a circus freak who bit the heads off chickens. And the classic song, Pencil Neck Geek, was not about a nerd, mm. but about a weird looking guy. Who belongs uh, in the circus? Yeah, I I prefer the term geek as as synonymous of nerd, or like the the definition is now feels more like well, you're a geek is a nerd who doesn't read anything that's useful. I feel like I'm more of a dork. <laughs> I'm more of a nerd linger. That's that's mine. And uh, well, also now, I mean, the geek business is big business now, and it's not. It's about it's about paying fifty dollars for tickets to Avengers Endgame for the fan mm. event. Uh, one which I'm not saying I did this morning, but uh, so, so. No, what is what is the fan event one? Uh, oh boy, I, no, you're, I you're serious about it's the, this. It's the yeah, ten. It, it's the ten dollar idiot tax, is what it is. Oh, okay. Uh, well, now, all right. So look. 
The tickets went on sale this morning. They were selling out, and I want to watch it on Thursday and just be done with it and have seen it the day it's out. That sounds like a good way to approach an entertainment product. Like, <laughs> I, want I want this to be, be over done. with. I want to, no, no, no. I want to see this film and then not have things spoiled. That's I, what I it's see. About. I see. Uh, and so the tickets that were available, they were selling out really fast at pretty much every reserved seat place in San Francisco, but less so for the $25 tickets for Endgame at the Alamo draft house at 5 p.m. And if <laughs> you go include a meet and greet with the, uh, <laughs> it, the actors? In, it involves a collectible coin uh. Uh, and, uh, and that's it. And so I paid, I paid my 25, but I paid my $53 for me and my husband's tickets. And Two so. room tickets, please. <laughs> hey, the tickets weren't available at the other places. And, and even theirs were like, you know, $17. It's like eight bucks more a thing just to, and to see it at five and be done. There were some tickets that were for like 2.30 in the morning. So you would leave at 6 a.m. from seeing your Avengers on a Friday morning. Like That's insane. Yeah. The, the, the runtime is giving me pause. Yes. I, if you include the 30 minutes of trailers that come before a movie you see, like three and a half hours. That's three and a half hours of uh, is how much that movie's Life is be. too short. <laughs> but Bob, the... The Avengers, they're going to they're gonna get together again. <laughs> they're fighting Thanos. Oh, but this geek bit here, too, reminds me of the uh, the Dana Gould podcast had a great rundown of geeks and uh, their their history. And even this like uh, uh, this quote from this book that also became a movie about carnies. Uh, it's like an old old style uh, hard boiled thriller about explaining how you make a car, how you make a geek. And it is you you get a rummy and then uh, tri- basically um, destroy his life until all he will do is bite the heads off chickens mm. for more sweet, sweet uh, uh, mash liquor. Rum. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, Dana Gould. I was surprised Dana Gould didn't work on this because he loves the carny uh, atmosphere. Oh, he does. Yeah. But this predates his time on the show. Yeah. The, they also said they, they were influenced by uh, Hope and Crosby. Bart and Homer going like yes, like that. It's a it's a very uh, road show kind of movie. Oh, yeah, the talking like through the teeth thing to try to be not noticed, even though you're talking <laughs> at normal volume kind very of very loudly through your teeth. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, I like that they've that Spud has not only become an alcoholic, but now is on the <laughs> other side of it and going to AA. <laughs> That's what I love too. It's like Spud is like, what, a 12 year old alcoholic. <laughs> <laughs> and that, and also uh, you get a nice joke about uh, the mistreatment of factory farms with the luckiest chicken in the world. <laughs> right. shoved, into, shoved into his cage. Cooter takes Homer and Bart through uh, how to do the ring toss. And which is when he very quickly realizes Bart is the one who should be in charge of scams. You see the trick here is the rings won't fit over the good prizes. Well, we'll see about that. Give me ten rings. So anyway, uh, the main thing is to bring in the rubes. Do whatever it takes. Sweet talk, insults, slang from the 30s that no one uses anymore. Like rubes? Now you're on the trolley. (laughs) But we gotta get. Here's the money box. Any questions? Uh, yes. How do we handle refunds? Uh, I'm gonna give this to you. Good move. Give me ten rings. <laughs> looky, looky, hey, hey, waka, waka, I got rings and you want them. Win a genuine Ronex watch, just like a real movie star. 
I enjoy the term Moogie Star. Moogie Star, yeah. <laughs> and Waka Waka. Was that? <laughs> I, I wanted, it made me wonder, does Fozzie Bear say Waka Waka because that's what carnival performers said? Oh, yeah. Maybe he was a geek. I think he started as a geek. Uh, well, he's the sort Muppet of. Show. He was biting <laughs> chicken's heads off. Before Gonzo took them in as his lovers. <laughs> 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 That's how they were around. They were around because Fozzie wrangled them to bite their heads off and Gonzo got horny. <laughs> I mean, Fozzie was, his character was just like the sort of uh, bad vaudeville character yes. back when an audience could know what that was. <laughs> uh, even then, it seemed it was intentionally old in 1970 yeah. to do those jokes with uh, my Fozzie is, is, you know, it's hard to say who is Frank Oz's best character. I think it is Fozzie. I mean, Miss Piggy's pretty good, but I think Fozzie is who he's most connected. I'm going to throw you a curveball, Bert. Uh, <laughs> yeah, man, that's tough. I don't know. Fozzie's good. I mean, he's a great anti comedy dude. <laughs> that's, yeah. He was the first alt comic. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> he was like the Neil Hamburger of the 70s. Yeah, and the alt rooms in the comedy scene started at geek shows where they were biting the heads off chickens. <laughs> Uh, and then, yeah, Cooter's whole exchange with Homer is great. That he's like he's trying to he's trying to turn a pigeon into a, a scam artist, and it just he should have realized at this point like this is not going to end well. Like we really shouldn't be doing this with Homer, but they're they're out of options. <laughs> also, the Bart and Spud exchange about old timey phrases. That's a great gag on how like dated this is, or how like this isn't how carnivals probably work now. This is you're writing it like it's the 30s. I want to know the story behind that con man i love the design on that oh con it's man so there. great i made an animated gif of that immediately after i saw that scene he's, he looks so cool like the, <laughs> the cards going between the hands is so so cool looking yeah yeah and he's i'm like what's his story does he go to the carnivals to rip off people among the carnies like he's a carny hustler <laughs> <laughs> maybe he used to be a carny and he graduated to full-on con man i bet in season 27 he got an episode <laughs> They scam Skinner as well. He uh, this is this is a good joke, but it does feel like it. It's when it's a time where Skinner's it veers from Skinner being just a loser to a violent loser. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, it's still got a really like big gut laugh for me when it just pans over to the knife. It's a very yeah. good reveal of him just like going for the knife. <laughs> and that, what is it with you and failure? <laughs> God, so mean. Like yeah, uh, and yeah that that also the line of. Skinner's saying, can I actually win this? And Bart's like, if I like you, hot dog. Like he's it's like, Bart definitely likes me. Like that's, that is a nice extra layer of sadness to it too. But this next bit with Wiggum and Homer, it feels like an Abbott and Costello routine or something like yes, that. Yeah. It's, it reminds me a bit of the, uh, hello, Mr. Thompson. Yeah. Uh, yes, this is like a full vaudeville routine. I, I couldn't cut a second of it. So yes, let's, let's hear about Mr. Bribe. Uh, I hate to interrupt your fun, boys, but I got a few complaints that your game is crooked. <laughs> and oh. Gee, I'd hate to close you down. Maybe we can reach a little uh, understanding here. I understand. <laughs> um, hey, Dad, I, I think he wants... Not right now, son. Daddy's talking to a policeman. Uh, let me put it this way. I'm looking for my friend Bill. Have you seen any Bills around here? No. He's Bart. Uh, listen carefully and watch me wink as I speak, okay? Okay. The guy I'm really looking for, wink, is Mr. Bribe, wink, wink. 
It's a ring toss game. <laughs> That's it. I'm shutting this game down. It's a very weird <laughs> juxtaposition to have Wigan be much smarter than someone in a scene, but it still works. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's uh, they Homer and Wigan kind of go in and out of who's smarter than the other. But poor uh, Wigan. <laughs> I guess yeah, this is one of the rare times where Wigan's love of graft outweighs his unintelligence. Mm-hmm. I suppose. And God, just his wink, mm-hmm. wink. Then uh, Homer's just he's smart. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> Uh, even better with his kind of condescending thing to Bard of just like, uh, Daddy's talking to a police officer. God, the whole the whole bit's hilarious. They, they're Homer and, and Wiggum are just a great pair. They they should do more stuff together. It's it's and yeah, they take so they repossess the ring toss. Cooter and Spud are without homes. They well, I forgot to mention earlier in the morning scene. You see that they sleep on the ring toss. Like that's it's their it's their home. Yes, yeah. And so that this carnival's in town for a while, but I guess that is how they work. They the carnival's in town for like two weeks and then go somewhere else. And they suggest that they just go move into the whack-a-mole game, but that's where uh, Fantastic Dan lives. Yeah. <laughs> I love how hard it looks like he's been hit yes. by, by Nelson. Yeah, Nelson's yeah. around. Yeah, that's right. Nelson's yeah. just I, like traveling around dealing out punishment. Sorry, Eric. No, no, not at all. I just need more Fantastic Dan. And you're right, probably season 28, he's got an episode, but... He's this old dude with a mustache and like an aviator helm- a hat on. Like with, an old flyboy. <laughs> Actually, he comes back in the episode I'm with Cupid. Does Homer try to kill him? Yes. And he yeah. tries to kill Homer? Fantastic Dan, the next time we see him, is a sky rider who's trying to ride a thing to Manjula. And, oh, uh, wow. <laughs> and Homer and him get in a fight, and it's where Homer keeps punching him and says, why won't you die? <laughs> so fantastic. <laughs> we have to revisit that. <laughs> fantastic Dan's head can take a lot of abuse for being yes, so old it seems like he's he's a, he's a tough cookie to, to survive as but i love that in both way times dan castellaneta plays him the same just like what's that boy like he's such a uh, specific impersonation there of an old flyboy. i love that and uh, yeah as they lose their house homer is gonna is gonna do right by cooter our game our home what happened here cops took it what why didn't you bribe him? I was trying to, but the opportunity never came up. Oh, good Lord. Our whole life was in that trailer. What are we going to do now? Can't you stay in the whack-a-mole game? Nah. Fantastic Dan lives there. Did you call me, Spud? <laughs> Look at him, Bart. If a carny can wind up homeless, it can happen to anyone. I'm going for a corn dog. You want one? Yes. But first, there's a little matter of the carny code. Cooter, Spud, get off that hog. You're coming to stay at our house. Why did you shatter just now, Mom? I don't know. <laughs> There's a tremor in the force, right? <laughs> <laughs> she has a spider sense for it by now, yes. I mean, this is like what? So in terms of the transients they've let live with them, there's like Otto, uh, Chester Lampwick, Leon Kampowski. Her Powell. Her Powell, yeah. Yeah, I think that's that's at least four I can think of yeah. to this point that they they have a lot of transients stay with them. It's true. I Did guess... you guys get to the uh, Rodney Dangerfield episode? Oh, right. Rodney Larry da- Burns. You're right. Yeah. Larry yeah. Burns, too. Wow. Uh, and I guess in Krusty gets canceled, you could count Krusty. They do let him move in too, but he's not exactly homeless yet. Uh, man, wow, yeah, that's at least six right there off the top of our heads that they've had live with them. And I guess Apu, they let Apu live with them. Oh, he's right. not exactly 
exactly homeless. Uh, I figured he must have been if he couldn't go back to his apartment. Well, he insists on living. Ah, uh, you have to repay his debt. Yeah. yeah. So I, I assume he's just not staying with Sanjay. At he, that counts. Moment. he counts. He counts. <laughs> and yeah, the Homer makes it up to him at first, but when they show up, like cops took it like they yeah. don't feel bad at all <laughs> they they have no no emotion for it. this is this is jerk ass homer who does not care about any other person it feels more innocent though in that he's not connecting what happened with the cops taking <laughs> away the trailer it's like oh that just happened weird you know they could probably just go down there and bribe wiggum now yeah it's not too late mr bribe can still show up <laughs> they should have they should have made their run for the bribe instead of talking to homer sitting on that pig that pig the sound of that pig i love that that too i although i do okay so this did give me a little more compassion for cooter and spud they're pretty bad in stealing the house later but homer did cost them their house first so you know fair's fair guys that's true that's true uh, and so yes when we come back the cooters have moved in they uh there's a great little gag of spud unhooking all of his joints yeah that his feet, legs can just spin around in circles was maybe the most disgusting of it there's a lot of talk on the internet in this mm. uh fabled year of 1998 are lisa's eyes blue mm. lots of wasted hours talking about that yeah so definitively this episode points out her eyes are blue well i will throw some question into that because it is a carny saying it he could just be talking up lisa as a compliment and saying that was part eyes. of the discussion okay so well, <laughs> it's still up in the air i'm on their side i don't exactly trust this spud when he says her eyes are blue and also just his disgusting feet set up on the thing too it's, it's a good uh, way to open the act on just feet <laughs> shot of feet and the point again marge is just suffering every second of this episode it's uh they're really they're really mean to poor old marge here oh yeah and one of them i don't know if it was cooter or spud mentions like wow you got a nice house ma'am uh, it must have taken you years to win all this stuff <laughs> Which, yeah. Now you know it's just like, well, yeah. I mean, that's capitalism, right? <laughs> it's just it's just all a carny game that runs this country. Oh, Carnies know it all. That's true. They here we thought that they were the uh, the bumpkins, but they're more informed than us on this. They know meritocracy's bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got to steal what you can. That's that's the game. Exactly. What is what it's is Patreon? <laughs> but us winning tickets. <laughs> oh man, guys, you get so many things for your tickets this 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 month. Keep keep subscribing. I keep throwing I, those rings. I like that Marge calls them roustabouts too. That's, yeah, uh, everyone's that's, using slang from the '30s. <laughs> it's great. It's peppered throughout the episode for every character. It's amazing. Then in this next bit here, I do believe this is the first time a joke on The Simpsons was about pulling something out of your butthole. I think. Mm. <laughs> Hmm. I was going to say the joke with Smithers needing something removed from his butt in uh, hmm. My Sister, My Sitter. That's true. We don't see it. We have to assume they, it was removed. They keep it vague enough. Well, he doesn't say something is in my butt. He just, I mean, obviously, we all know the joke we're supposed to connect there. But this this is more open about pulling yeah. something out of one's anus. I, I do like Homer's exclamation <laughs> yes. in the oh, background. They, it made me laugh really hard They're this like the perfect co- comedy audience for him here, actually. Yeah, let, let's give that a listen. Here's a little trick my grandmother taught me. No. Wow, can you do that again? Not for a little while. <laughs> so, Mr. Cooter, how long have you been in the traveling amusement industry? Oh, hell, the cooters have been carnies ever since we came here in 1620, clanging to the side of the Mayflower. 
Thanks for dinner, Mom. I love you. Oh, aren't you sweet? Hey, my mm. pearls. <laughs> Spud taught me that. Good one, Spud. <laughs> well, sure is awful kind of you to take us into your beautiful home here. Just wish we had some way to repay you. Yeah, good thinking, Spudford. Uh, you folks uh, ever been on a glass-bottom boat ride? Because we just happen to have some tickets. Oh, what a nice surprise. This is so generous of you, Cooter. Now who's the filthy sleazebag, huh, Marge? <laughs> 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 Filthy sleaze bag. See, yeah, the I love his. It's a handed down trick from his grandmother too. I though, I mean, come on, that's what's going to give you lung cancer. Swallowing all those cigarettes, I, lit cigarettes <laughs> that stay lit all the way through the body's various orifices, just emitting smoke throughout your digestive system. <laughs> singed asshole, singed ear hole, <laughs> nose. And He's just all scar tissue by now. Oh, That's yeah. a good point. Yeah, it's yeah. probably very easy for him. Although he has to take a break in between. <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, I think it, it's almost implication. Like uh, when I was younger, I could do this over and over again. But uh, just it takes me a minute now, guys. Pipes me... aren't working like they used to. <laughs> uh, just give Grandpa a second. Uh, yeah, that's uh, the the effort. I. It's really well done. The like his like. Like the effort of expelling it the last yeah. time, and yeah, like I said Homer's like, no, oh, no, no. Uh, and the a, extra gag that he puts it out on the dish, like, yep, yeah. here's my butthole cigarette on your dish right there. <laughs> oh yeah, that's really cool. And uh, the glass bottom boat ride stuff coming up, uh, it's it's fun. I do like how apparently this same uh, organization or touring group killed ninety people, and they're still going. It's unbelievable. Like, yeah, that's actually the more I thought about it, it's such an insanely dark joke of the like 88 went people down died with 88 two, souls died two weeks ago and they're still operating that's what's so great about that joke is it was so recent <laughs> like that's a national news tragedy when that happens and and they're just still operating their boat and there's apparently sharks in whatever body of water this is yeah which would seem that it's not fresh water so they're on some ocean here but we do get cartoon butts which are now illegal That's, so treasure yeah. every cartoon oh. butt because we <laughs> cannot see them they, anymore they illegalized the cartoon butt on network yeah 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 after oh the janet God. jackson scandal uh we were all clutching our pearls over <laughs> one curvy line on a character yes yeah it's sad the butts went away not too long after this the uh we've even talked like butts now now in kids cartoons on Cartoon Network is tough. Our friends of the show uh, who do the TV show OKKO, they were talking about how like they want to put butts on things and they can't. They want to show a butt just for comedy purposes, and they are simply not allowed. They can even cite precedent of like, but in the '90s, this show showed a butt, and they're like, well, that's not now. We don't do the butts anymore. We'll be getting to an episode soon that is just wall to wall butts. Oh yes, yeah. The like, season finale. Yes, yeah. the season finale is all. It is. Hardcore nudity, the episode. <laughs> All right. Hardcore nudity. Uh, have any of you guys taken a glass bottom boat ride? I think I have once on a family trip. I no. never have. Uh, it's not as uh, very exciting at all. It like, seems like if you're not like in the uh, the Caribbean, what are you going to see in like murky lake water? Right. Yes. Uh, that's ba- I, yeah. You you hope for fish to come so, by and they never do. Wow, carp. <laughs> There's also a great moment here where Homer's taunting the shark on the glass bottom boat ride by call like saying like, and you call yourself the king of the jungle. <laughs> oh, no, that's good too. It's yeah. such a dumb joke, but. 
but it made me laugh. There's so many great, like, so much comedy in this episode is one from where a scene ends, like, just from hard edits. And the shark is, like, one second away from breaking the yeah. glass, so they have to cut because it's, like, they, they obviously it doesn't sink because they're not all wet when they come back. But, like, it's such a great just ga- extra gag there, too. <laughs> Somebody should be watching them that they're taunting the sharks. Like, they're really getting away with something there, too. Though, as a kid, I I did have Marge's dream of like, what is under the car? What am I <laughs> the missing? Very, I, I enjoy the very <laughs> small dreams of Marge. Like, what am I missing? <laughs> uh, and uh, so, yes, that, but it turns out it was all a diversion. I was wrong about the Cooters, Dad. They're the nicest of all the transients you've ever brought home. Man, yeah, 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 yeah. That's weird. The key doesn't fit. Hey, someone's pointed up our windows. Check this out. What's going on? Cooter! What have you done to our house? That's ours now. Tell us where the extra sheets are and get off our property. <gasps> They're squatting in our house. <laughs> you can't do this to me. What about the carny code? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that laugh. What a great evil laugh he had. Uh, God, again, uh, created by years of smoking. 10 million cigarettes. <laughs> so do we think, like, Cooter has, like, the locksmith trade down, Pat? Or did he get a locksmith out that fast? Boy, I, I know. I, I think in his realm of work, he'd know how to pick locks by this point. I, I think yeah. he, he has a locksmith kit. Or at least, I mean, what, you just put, like, you just break a key off in the lock. That'd work, too. I guess that's fair. I've dealt with locksmiths and they seem carny adjacent. They're always like slightly filthy. (laughs) That's true. I don't know why. Maybe all that lock grease they're up to their wrists (laughs) in every day. You know, I think this could be a good line of work for Cooter going forward. Yeah. Legitimate. (laughs) Yeah. It's the, it's like the guys who go from being like, uh, people who pass bad checks who then work for the FBI to help them find people who pass bad checks. You know, now I'm definitely feeling he's a locksmith or he knows the smithery trade, I suppose. They also were able to just board up all the windows and the note, like the, the Flanders really failed here. They should have called the cops when they saw the windows being boarded up, I think. Well, I mean, he just got, thro- he's, he's, he's nursing snake wounds right oh, now. That's true. He's still in the hospital, actually. They, they put that in the first act to answer your question, Henry. <laughs> like, why didn't Flanders help? <laughs> he's, he's strung out on anti-venoms trying to not die <laughs> the line about all their transients that's again just feeling the weight of yeah. the show same with also on the glass bottom boat they see little lisa slurry and yeah that was just last year on the show yeah yeah i they could have even put more stuff in there like but uh, the, the slurry's enough it's yes homer tries to go to the cops and he finds out that the the bribe he's it's the callback to the bribe scene and uh that's still not working out for him I uh, I love again. He says to Lisa, "Like, honey, daddy's waiting for the detective." Detective, like I give a damn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Mister No Bribe is waiting for a detective, like I give a damn. Homer, Homer is so trusting in the cops. He, he's uh, he's a very trusting guy in general. On this episode, yeah, I, I think Wiggum replaces Invisible Typewriter with the detective, like <laughs> I give a damn. Uh, and then yes, uh, the ho- the Simpsons are getting used to their new living situation in the backyard. They're hated. Uh, you know, I didn't even think of that. This brings them back. The episode ends with them in the backyard that they had previously spurred at the start of the episode. Bart, you're brushing your teeth with my twig. So, I let you use my leaves. Listen to him. Watching my television. Sitting on my couch. 
You better not be in my ass groove. Homer. It took me years to forge that groove. One of them's playing my saxophone. Oh, no, the spit valve! Release the spit valve! Over the sink! Over the sink! Hey, look at me. I'm a millionaire. <laughs> wow, Dad, you look like James Bond. <laughs> hey, it's getting cold in here. Throw another one of them photo albums on the far. <laughs> Which one? Precious moments or treasured memories? Quit you yapping. I'm freezing. <laughs> they don't know how homes work. I like yes, that touch. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, the photo albums are nothing. And also that, that Homer's clothes are so fancy <laughs> to them. and that A collar. He's got a collar on his shirt. <laughs> oh, my God. I wanted to ask you guys about this because, you know, you guys are like Simpson historians. And I was wondering... Mm. Does Homer wear a white short sleeve button down shirt or is it like a white polo shirt? I think uh, it I is a polo it, yeah, shirt. I yeah. always read it as polo, even though I think when he wears the clip on tie at work, that is supposed to be read as him wearing a button up shirt, I think. So yeah. it might be interchangeable there. You know what? No, I think it's supposed to be polo then, too, actually. Yeah. When that shirt gets made pink in um, the band episode now, yeah. uh, but in that one, I think it's still supposed to be read as a polo shirt. Yeah, that's mm. which that's not a very white collar job thing, is it? They did an episode about. About the origin of his pants, yes, but not yeah. of his shirt. So we're still waiting <laughs> we, for season 33. We need, we need a shirt episode. By the way, <laughs> hilarious how uh, huge these clothes are on, <laughs> yeah. on Mr. Cooter there. And the, the line that he looks like James Bond, when I first heard that, was just hysterical. He thinks he looks like a millionaire. Uh, yes, <laughs> yes, yes. And the way, the way it just flops around on his body, too, like such a good sense of movement on these oversized clothes. And and the throwing, of, like the <laughs> burning of it. Anything they could burn, they burn the one thing you can't replace. I, I did sadly realize that I do have an ass groove in my couch because mm. I've had the same Ikea couch for like eight years, and I refuse to replace it until I move. It's going <laughs> to stick with me in that apartment until I leave, then I'll burn it. But I've been sitting in the same place on that couch since I've had it, so there's like a real bob imprint of the one location on the couch where I sit. It's like the slip cover is kind of worn away in that area too. It's just like a lot of history me in that couch. So do you consider that groove like a precious moment or a treasured memory? <laughs> I consider it uh, shameful that I've had an Ikea couch for that long. <laughs> uh, it's it's a long time to have one, though. I mean, I've had this Ikea couch for two years. It's still pretty good. It's still good. Though, I mostly, I gotta say, I watch TV and play video games more in bed than mm. I do on the couch. So, I have more of a bed groove than a, than a couch groove, I'd say. Homer had the bed groove when he was uh, very large. Remember that? Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. March fell into it <laughs> and uh, i also love actually i'm gonna give that whole scene line of the episode because i also love his ex- exclamation of that urkel's a hoot that's <laughs> yes <laughs> so here let me play the jingle real quick to make it official that's the joke jim varney making fun of urkel don't throw stones in the glass house <laughs> buddy I feel like there was a like a Disney magazine cover that had Urkel and Ernest on it oh, together, man. but I, they never officially like crossed over in like a commercial or something. It's just too bad, a, a missed opportunity by Jaleel. And, it would be uh, too entertaining. Mark. They could never <laughs> join forces. I they could play it as City Mouse and Country Mouse together. That's what I like. Uh, That'd be like the mid '90s Avengers. <laughs> you could Urkel, Ernest. Uh, maybe, Who else maybe could you get in there? Garth, but not Wayne. <laughs> yes, yeah. yeah. Uh, man, uh, Balky. Balky, yeah. yeah. 
there was one reference in this that totally reminded me of uh, context we've gotten from having an interview with Josh Weinstein. Mm. Now, so Bob, do you remember in our interview with Josh Weinstein, which you can hear on the Patreon, sign up now. <laughs> do you remember on there where he talked about the time they dared Steve Tompkins to eat some red berries outside of the writer's room and it oh, made him sick all day? Yes, yes. When Marge says, I found some of the red things that grow outside and Steve Tompkins was still employed there. I wonder if it was them, an in-joke about the time they challenge Steve Tompkins to eat red berries from outside. You could be right. Uh, it's important to note that at that time they didn't have smartphones, so to entertain <laughs> themselves they either ate too much or poisoned themselves. <laughs> dared each other. <laughs> in the writer's room. Yeah. I think this and the taste like burning joke we're getting in a couple episodes mm. both come from Steve Tompkins being dared to eat I'm things. I'm glad Steve lived. <laughs> he's a very rich man. Don't don't feel bad for him. He's He's got health care. He's fine. <laughs> he can eat all the berries he wants. Uh, but but yes, yeah, so the the family. Also, I think that's the first joke they've ever had about the kids wiping themselves. Too. Oh, it, right. It feels again. This is just a very the most scatological episode ever. I I got to think somebody got a talking to from Mac Grading about how how much this one went to uh, into the bathroom. <laughs> I think. The family has a pretty crappy new living situation, and uh, they have a really good plan on how to get the, get it back. We can't just give up our home. There's got to be a way to get those guys out of there. I say we set fire to the house. Kill them that way. We don't want to kill them, Bart. We just want our home back. Well, if we did set fire to the house... No fires! I've got it! No fires! <laughs> there must be a way to outsmart them. Uh, you can't outsmart carnival folk. They're the cleverest folk in the world. Just look at the way they sucker regular folk with those crooked games. That's it. Fire! Or... <laughs> I forgot, like, it always, that last fire always sneaks up on me because the other ones are so funny. Is that yes. like a Waco reference? Oh, could be. Like set could fire be. to your own place? That's or? true. Yeah, I did I did not think of that. I uh, mean, allegedly. I'm sure the ATF made, you know, I don't know enough about Waco, but I remember that was going around for a time. Yeah, yeah. I, it's, uh, I trust the government's account. They wouldn't lie to me. You can watch a prestige <laughs> TV version of Waco. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Right. That yeah. I mean, my, my takeaway about Waco is they're both bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> both sides have a, a mistakes were made there. Exactly. Exactly. You have <laughs> child brides and also fires. <laughs> uh, but Mar I love that everyone else is like, we'll, well, let's just kill them. And Marge's like, we're not murdering people. <laughs> or. Uh, that like, especially Bart's like, kill them that way. And Marge has to be like, this is not a plan to kill people. It's to get our house back. Yeah, that, that final fire just hits you like. I was sure, like, okay, they already did Homer thinking fire too, too late. They they weren't do that again. And then he says fire. God. Uh, actually, that's why in the episode. Move the yeah, jingle over yeah, here. That's yeah. it. <laughs> uh, so this was a really, apparently they were stuck for an ending, they say on the commentary. This took them a while to figure out. They had another one where Homer just does get the ring toss and succeeds, and I'm I'm really glad they got to this ending instead. It's funny because uh, he does use the Carney code, which is screwing people out of uh, things they That's have. That's right, yeah. Uh, yeah. Money and houses. <laughs> and uh, also, credit goes to animator on the show, Matt Nastic, who uh, Mark Kirkland on the commentary points out, he drew all by hand with no effects the fisheye through the people oh, look. That's a great little scene. It, it looks so good. It's, it's a great bit of animation that... 
you need to be reminded of folks like a computer didn't do that. A person figured out the movements in that kind of an extreme viewpoint and drew it. Like it's just, uh, that is to be celebrated. Homer actually does have a plan and a proposition for Cooter. Cooter resident. I got a proposition for you, Cooter. Yeah, I'm listening. One game of ring toss. If I can throw this hula hoop onto the chimney, you'll give us our house back. If I miss, I'll sign the deed over to you. Homer, no! Oh, you'll never make it, Dad. So, we own the house legit? That's right. Deal. And uh, then there's a very tense moment here, though. So when you know it's all a scam, got to give it to the whole family acting there of just like, oh, Homer, you can't. Yeah. Like, they're they're all in on it. So I like that it's a family effort to to scam Cooter and Spud. And uh, yeah, this time, Homer is actually smarter than someone else and outsmarts them. Like, that is... Almost unbelievable. <laughs> I think the only way he got away with it is because Cooter so underestimates Homer and knows he's this stupid that he thought it would be impossible for him to trick him it's like how in a star trek movie i think it was in uh, into dark where they're like well a a vulcan can't lie so you're definitely going to do this <laughs> and that they got tricked we forgot to point out uh, a very nice observational touch is the rat tail on Spud. Yes, yeah. And I remember uh, watching The Phantom Menace in theaters the first day <laughs> and saying, George Lucas, you cannot walk back the rat tail. I don't care how cool you want these characters to be. It is not cool. You can't do well, you that. Know, you, you think about the Jedi presented in the prequels, and they're sort of like carnies. They travel. <laughs> they ab- duck children to be a part of their <laughs> nefarious gang and they grow questionable hairstyles <laughs> they have a code as well that's true yes. wow wow it's all come together <laughs> wow. so star wars it's just about carnies <laughs> it is. Uh, that's why you know what honestly i'm on the side of the the emperor now like these carnies gotta go gotta clean them out uh, but that no, sounds like i'm saying only sh- one carney can be around well i guess two with vader right? mm. yeah you need a carney and a carney assistant to, to dark carney <laughs> dark carney actually it sounded like there are was endorsing uh, genocide of carnies so i do not want that no just jedi carnies not real life carnies these are these are hypothetical carnies that exist in a galaxy far far away a long time ago space carnies from the past (laughs) this one really got me in first viewing as a kid i thought this was such a clever ending that i was like it felt like other simpsons episodes in, in around the same time where they write themselves into a corner and uh, other times they didn't get out of that corner as well as as this and they they really had a stroke of brilliance like compare this to the episode where they write themselves into a corner that they have to find the Loch Ness monster well what <laughs> do we do after that but this one is is a very clever uh, fix it feels like of the David Merkin season 5 and 6 kind of screw the audience joke yes. where it's like what's Homer gonna do and then his plot is just steal the house back but that's also very clever yeah it's just as clever as like a very like he bounces the ring off of something or a bird takes it over the chimney or something some funnier joke than that (laughs) instead they just go like now kids they just run in and they laugh through the mail slot uh and they cooter so uh in in this last bit here we say goodbye to cooter i would have liked if uh you know he could have come back for another episode if jim varney had stayed healthy i i feel like cooter could have been a a recurring guest star not not so not exactly a sideshow bob type but I f- yeah, I feel like jobs. He needed to meet Cletus. Yes, yeah. Cooter could have been Cletus's half brother, or perhaps <laughs> that been great. father brother. <laughs> you know what? Actually, Cletus is woefully missing here. There, 
there could have been a scene where Cletus like welcomes his family back to town, or there, or he he's working with them or something. Yeah, remember that Child Protective Services episode? Like, I could definitely see Cooter and Spud in that same classroom with Cletus and yeah. Homer. Yeah, oh yeah, but eh, it's just without Jim Varney, you can't do it. Anyway. Lots which. <laughs> I mean, also Cooter's design. I mean, it's meant to look like Dave Merkin, but. Jim Varney could play Cooter in real life. He looks yeah, a lot like He's him got too. a vest and everything. <laughs> yes, yeah. Though his little <laughs> paunch, that's not what uh, Cooter or Jim Varney, he did not have that. He he uh, was fit. He yeah. was a guy. Uh, aside from all the drinking and smoking, I suppose. <laughs> but, uh, but yes, uh, here's, here's the end of the episode. No! What the... <laughs> <laughs> Hey, they just ran into the house. That Homer fella grifted you good, Dad. Well, there's no shame in being beaten by the best. But he didn't seem all that... We were beaten by the best, boy. I'm so proud of you, Homer. <laughs> you got our house back. Way to go, Dad. You actually outwitted someone. Yeah, I guess your old man is smarter than you thought. Now look at him standing out there. No place to go. <laughs> Poor guys. Hey, what if we let him stay here for just a few days? Mom, get him away from the window. <laughs> My groove! Oh, they mushed it all out of shape. All right. Better put on a pot of coffee, Marge. <laughs> this could take a while. I do like the idea of forging her ass groove. Yes, yeah, and then re-sculpting it with your butt. I, you know, now I talk about how uh, scatological this episode is. It's fitting. It ends with a butt uh, reference one last time here. I love the the rewriting of history Cooter and Spud are about to do. About yeah. we were beaten by the best. <laughs> it's the only way they can live with themselves. I feel like Cooter, Cooter getting tricked by Homer would make one suicidal. It, yeah. So I feel like he has. It, there's it's the only way he can function. Go back to the other carnies and spread the legend of Homer, the greatest grifter. <laughs> and then Homer, they that's how they have to walk back homer being actually outwitting somebody that he then has to be basically a dog pulled away from the window because otherwise he'll let them back in uh, he's yeah. such a big heart <laughs> except when he doesn't he, he has a big heart and other times he he doesn't care if people die <laughs> uh, i think he just wants to generate a new sitcom plot yes yeah <laughs> he's like what if they came back and they're like no the episode's over homer i also like it's a very you know hearing it this time it's a very dog way they treat homer like homer yeah and she passed the thing like easily oh, distracted homer, homer. <laughs> that that song groove me it's a it plays over the credits as we hear homer's butt clenching it <laughs> the, the whole time it's it's a funny little musical ending they they had a lot of good uh you know, licensed songs over the credits in this in this era here. I think, you know, we talked about before, Mike Scully, a big fan of 70s rock. And so this this is another one of those songs. This is specifically from 1970. Uh, King Floyd. That makes sense. Called Groove Me. So I guess final thoughts on this episode. I love this one a lot. I love, there are three great back and forths in this episode. There's the hand chopping off bit, the <laughs> Mr. Bride bit, and the fire bit. All made me laugh so hard this morning. And it feels just very punchy. And all the Schwarzwelder humor is just there at the surface. All the jokes about carnies and old-timey stuff and all the old-timey slang, roustabouts and rubes <laughs> and moogie stars. It's all there waiting for you. But yeah, this is a great episode and one of the classics, <laughs> I think. 
I agree. I think this is one of the strongest ones of season nine. Like it's joke after joke after joke, just packed with jokes. Also anchored by a really great guest star. And then on top of that, not only uh, this is, I, I should have mentioned at the start, written by John Swartzwelder, directed by Mark Kirkland, the two guys who have done the most episodes, both writing and directing of Simpsons oh, yeah. of anybody. So, And we talked to Mark as well. This, yeah, you should listen to that. I'm not trying to advertise all our interviews, but yes. But no one will talk to John Swartzwelder. <laughs> no, that's not going to happen. He's he's more of a, he's harder to find than a carny, I'd say. He's like the J.D. Salinger of The Simpsons. Right? <laughs> but anyway, yeah, uh, my, my final thought is just, yeah, this is just a very funny episode that doesn't get like bogged down by a B story that's distracting or, you know, uh, doesn't waste too much time in the intro. And, uh, you know, a lot of the best Simpsons episodes are full of observational gags about a specific thing in american culture doing that with carnies and carnivals very smart and and clever i agree with everything you guys said i think this is a great episode and i love all the old-timey stuff like you guys said but i you you asked me to come on this episode and i was like oh yeah the one with jim varney that'll be a lot of fun and i totally forgot hitler's car was (laughs) so it warmed my heart in a weird way because i remember watching this as a kid with my brother a bunch of times and we used to quote it endlessly we used to say we were beaten by the best boy a bit around the house so it was a lot of fun to revisit this oh thanks so much for coming on eric thanks for having me really i really really appreciate it it was a great time thank you and uh you do the amazing we hate movies podcast you've got a lot of podcasts out there you've got a patreon can you plug anything you want to plug now especially episodes i've really loved uh, my favorite one in recent memory was the happy time murders oh god how much you guys hate that movie and make it better with your own ideas i really (laughs) enjoy i think i listened to it twice now Rewrite is per- they should pay you a million dollars for the fucking rewrite you guys did on that. <laughs> oh, I agree, definitely pay me a million dollars. But thank you. Yeah, we hate movies as a podcast. I do, I do with a, a few other guys I know, where we we take a movie and we we use it as a jumping off point for comedy. We kind of go through the plot. Sometimes we actually enjoy the movie and recommend it. So the name is a little bit of a misnomer. Some people might think it sounds more negative than it is. But we're also going on tour, yes. and I was quickly wanted to plug a few dates if anyone's listening on the east coast right now on april 22nd we'll be at in boston at laugh boston april 23rd dc improv april 24th punchline philly and april 25th we'll be in new york city at the gramercy theater we're doing all nick cage movies oh nice you can find out more about that you can probably just follow us on twitter or look at our twitter page there's probably a thing about the tour pinned uh, at WHM Podcast. And I also want to mention, you guys do such a good TV recap show. It's embarrassing me because <laughs> my TV recap show is called uh, Hooked on TJ Hooker. I've been doing it for about two years now with a friend of mine, Ben Wooster, also a huge Simpsons head. Um, you can find episodes at tjhookerpodcast.com. Now, if you don't know what tj hooker is it's a forgotten cop show starring william shatner that <laughs> no one knows but we pepper with a lot of clips like you guys do here so you can follow along even if you don't watch the show i know it's a lot harder for you guys to come out to the west coast but you should definitely try to come out for sketch fest mm-hmm. we can team well, up in person you guys are san francisco's nearby right oh yeah oh yeah why don't you save the date of november 6th Ooh. i can't say more yet but all right i'm gonna clear my calendar I, for that i'm excited man well well thank you eric 
so much for coming on. We'd love to have you back. Oh, that'd be great. Thank you so much for having me. Really had a great time. So again, thank you very much to Eric Siska. I love We Hate Movies. I've been listening to it for like eight years now. So it's really kind of surreal to talk to these guys in person. <laughs> finally, Well, not in person, but via the magic of Google Hangouts. Mm, it's yeah. like he's here in the room. No, and I'm uh, more, I've only been listening for a little over a year now, but I am also a big fan of their stuff. So it's so, so fun to talk to another of the We Hate Movies guys. And I, I'm totally going to check out that Hooked on TJ Hooker now too. Totally. 100%. So yeah. thanks so much, Eric. So check out We Hate Movies. They've got a good Patreon, too, with bonus stuff. But you know what? So do we. What? And you should give to both of them because we all do good work. But if you want to support our show, go to patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. And for the low price of $5 a month, you can get advanced episodes of Talking Simpsons and our sister podcast, What a Cartoon, one week ahead of time. We also have bonus podcasts like exclusive series, Talking Futurama, Talking Critic, and the currently unraveling Talk King of the Hill. That has been a lot of fun. It is a Patreon exclusive. You can only hear it if you're on the Patreon, though there is one episode in the Talking Simpsons free feed if you're interested in knowing what Talking of the Hill is like. And there are dozens and dozens of bonus podcasts at the $5 level. If you're new to Patreon, you have possibly over 100. We should count them at some point to figure this out, just so we have a number to give people. But there is so much bonus content waiting for you on the Patreon. If you sign up today, you'll have access to everything at the $5 level, including end-of-season wrap-ups, community podcasts, interviews. So much more is happening there that is locked behind the paywall. Open the door, baby! Five bucks! <laughs> and if you'd really like to enjoy uh, the Patreon at the $10 and up level, you'll get access to our monthly what a cartoon movie podcast if you'd like to hear me and bob talk about a different animated feature film once a month for three hours on on average (laughs) you can hear it now if you sign up at the ten dollar level or if you're a current five dollar patron up in it to ten you'll get to hear me and bob talk about batman mask of the phantasm kiki's delivery service akira a goofy movie and most recent secret of nim the nim was a lot of fun it's three hours long You'll, you'll hear about who Don Bluth is, the history of his work with Disney, how his studio got started, and the history behind his first movie. And then we talk about that movie for about two hours after that history segment. It's it, a lot of fun. So much fun. And you can hear a free preview of that as well on the Patreon if you just go check it out and uh, and want to hear the rest. $10 and up. Plus, you'll get access to the 18 months of video content we made exclusively for the $10 and up folks as well. Patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons is the place to be. That's right. And as for me, I've been one of your hosts, Bob Mackey. You can find me on Twitter as Bob Servo. I have another podcast, by the way. Uh, I think I'm having like four podcasts a week now. But if you have time for more of me in your life, and you should, go to Retronauts.com or look for Retronauts in your podcast device. Retronauts is a classic gaming podcast. I've been doing it for quite some time. So check it out. Henry, how about you? Waka waka. Follow me, Henry Gilbert, on Twitter, H-E-N-E-R-E-Y-G. Not only do I live like a real Moogie star, but you can also find out when new things go up on the Patreon, podcasts, information, polls for the next What A Cartoon Movie, all these things. You'll learn about them first from me if you follow me on Twitter, H-E-N-E-R-E-Y-G. Thanks so much for listening, folks. We'll see you next week for The Joy of Sect. We'll see you then. Just a little more. Oh, a little more to the left, maybe the left. What did he do to this thing? Almost. Ah. 
feel so good inside, mama. You wrecked Hitler's car. What did he ever do to you? <gasps> uh.